welcome to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Van Eyck, and in this episode, I interview an industry professional who has had years of experience in both learn to swim and coaching and has reached the heights of platinum level coach with swimmers meddling in the Olympics. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Ian Pope. While working as a professional musician, Ian began his aquatic journey as a learn-to-swim teacher at the Harold Holt Pool and then moved into a coaching role for the Surrey Park Swimming Club, developing both the club's learn-to-swim and squad programs. Ian then moved on to the Melbourne Vic Centre Swimming Club, building a name for himself in coaching. He made his first Olympic swim team as coach in 2000 for the Sydney Olympics and continues to place athletes on Olympic and Australian teams. Over his career, Ian has received the award of Victorian Coach of the Year and Asta Coach of the Year numerous times and has coached 50-plus Olympic and world team swimmers. These include swimming greats like Michael Klim, Matt Walsh, Gian Rooney, Brett Hawke and Grant Hackett. Through today's episode, Ian shares some insights into his journey, sharing thoughts on his career highlight of attending the Sydney Olympics, as well as his thoughts on swimming in Australia and where he sees swimming moving to in the future. Please share what inspiration you draw from Ian's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors. And if you want to share your aquatic journey, then contact me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. That's regionalswimclinics at outlook.com, as I know we can all learn from your experience. So let's jump in and find out more about Ian's journey in swimming. So Ian, how did you start your journey in swimming? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, I was a musician and I wanted to do something with sport. And so then I all of a sudden started teaching swimming at the Harold Holt pool under a guy called Alan Crawford. And I was there for a while. And then I joined a club called Surrey Park. And that sort of my evolved around uh, from a swimming teacher. So I started with swimming teaching and then evolved into doing a bit of coaching at Surrey Park. And then they offered me a full-time coaching role. So I just evolved, uh, yeah, from being a swimming teacher. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I love working with kids. I love teaching. And so yeah, I've just really enjoyed it. I was very passionate. And so that's how it all evolved. Wow, amazing. And then to come from such humble beginnings to the amazing coach that you are with such success that you've had, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, in many aspects, it gives a lot of swimming teachers hope that they can go on to further paths. And that all started from being a swimming teacher. So, yeah, and then I became a swimming coach and, and then eventually became part of the Australian team and had a great life of working with young people that are motivated on a daily basis. I still enjoy teaching swimming and coaching and still love it. So we certainly have a big impact on young people. And I think we don't realise, you know, what's beautiful now is when you really see some of these swimmers and they say, oh, my experience of swimming is just this or that. And it certainly, that means more to you than, you know, the medals and all that sort of stuff. It really what that they had a great experience that you know they really enjoyed this or enjoyed that and the fun of this you know that's what they remember they don't talk about the results as much it's it's their experience yeah that's right the the connection they've made with people in swimming and with the sport means a lot more to them than the winning because 
unless you're going into the Olympics and things like that, the winning doesn't, I suppose, generate stuff for them when they're older, when they become adults and when they move on. So, but that connection as a swim coach, and it's something I've spoken about with other guests in the podcast, that you can build a real human being out of that connection you have and a, a genuine, amazing human being by just taking that time to connect with the swimmers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the great thing is connecting. You know, when I first started teaching swimming, so many of the swimmers were a similar age or and you're just like a big kid with them. You know, they sort of brought the best out of you and you could have fun with them. And uh, so, yeah, it's great to be part of all of that. I could just imagine that, you mucking around with the kids. At the- <laughs> yeah, I was probably, a, yeah, quite a big kid, yeah. Yeah, all the practical jokes. <laughs> yeah, having a lot of fun, sure. And what instrument were you playing when you were young? Okay, so I started off with guitar and I was playing in a, a, a lot of places around Melbourne and then I moved to keyboards and and did every spectrum of music that you can imagine. And even while I was teaching and coaching those first years, people are yeah, probably not aware that I was also a musician. And, and so, you know, I was sort of torn between the two. And then it came to a period uh, with one of the bands I was doing, we were going to tour up the coast of New South Wales and, and I sort of had to leave swimming and it was sort of an ultimatum, you know, and I said, no, I just, I quit music at that point and swimming became my life. It encapsulates you, yes. yes wow, that's amazing. And then to have to make that decision as well to whether yeah. it's going to take over or not. Yeah, I th- well, I, I had a few good swimmers. So I had, you know, some people were starting to get medals and I had Matt Welsh at a very young age. He actually took up swimming. I don't know if you remember Matt Welsh, but at 18, uh, he started a lot later. And so I started to get some swimmers that were coming through and I just thought I was sort of over the music, I suppose, and, yeah, wasn't the path that I was meant to take. Yeah, well, thankfully you didn't take music and you've made the amazing journey to swimming and changed a lot of kids' lives. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. luckily swimming won, I think. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And I reckon I think at the next ASTA conference, we need to uh, get you up on stage to strap your music. Oh, look, I have got up on stage a few times at various social functions. Uh, at Melbourne Vixen, one of the swimming clubs I was involved with, I did get up and play with some of the bands on presentation nights, those type of things. So occasionally I do get up and have a bash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Many talents. Is there a crossover, do you think, of skills that you've learnt in music to swimming? Well, you know, it's that creative side of a coach. In some ways I see swimming as an art form because, you you know, you watch the way someone swims and you're, and you're trying to change their, their strokes and all those sort of things. So, you know, it's that creative and you are very creative in coaching. How am I going to get this swimmer to another level? And so, yeah, I think there is some correlation between the two for sure. Yeah, I like that. That's good. What would be the biggest lesson you've learned or is there a few lessons you've learned in your swimming journey? The biggest lessons, yeah. One of the things that's probably a big lesson is at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, a lot of coaches get affected by the performance. Someone doesn't swim as well. And there were certain periods in my life where that did affect me for sure. But what I, I learned to understand is in my own self is I didn't swim the race. What I did is I did my best for that athlete. They didn't quite get that result that you wanted. But at the end of the day, instead of getting hard on yourself, you did the best by what you knew at that point. 
And so that sort of took it off yourself of not being so damaged because it really can affect you when someone has put so much and there's so much effort required to be a good swimmer at that higher level or any level, such a commitment. And when someone doesn't achieve their, those dreams and goals, you do fear you've let them down some aspects. So I think at the end of the day, you just got to ask yourself, I did the best I could by what I knew. That sort of eases the pain of not quite getting the results you wanted. Wow, what an amazing answer. And it's definitely not one I've had so far. But I think it is something that we've got to learn that we put so much into these swimmers. And if they don't achieve, then we can't bring ourselves down. We have to be there as a rock for them. Yeah, 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 we need to be able to be stable for them and know that, like you said, you've put your best in from what you knew at the time. It's something Joanne Love spoke in her episode about the reason she trained to do psychology is because of the effect a swimmer breaking down before a competition. Sure. And yeah. the mental side, yes. And I think, well, it's it's changed the her course of life and she saw it as a failure, but she learnt from it. You know, one of the sayings I often would say to my swimmers is it's never a bad swim. It's only a bad swim if you don't learn by it. And that's important that you, we have to see racing as a learning experience because, you know, so often swimmers, they put all their expectations on this outcome and when they don't reach that outcome, they see themselves as a failure. So, you know, I often say, what did you learn, you know? So that's in another way that I would sort of help them get through when things don't go quite their way. Yeah, and I really like that. And that's something we all have to look at in life, whether we're swimmers or anything we do in life that you've got to you know, have a goal to achieve. But if you don't achieve it, it's not the end of the world. Your world's not going to crash down around you. That's and right. take what you learn from it and then use that to then put it into another goal or you know, adapt your goal and sure. go from there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, words and wisdom, this is great. So what's been your biggest highlight or has there been a few highlights in your swimming journey? I've been very fortunate in swimming. Some of my biggest highlights are being selected for the Sydney Olympics. I remember when they made that announcement, Sydney, and that where they made the decision that the Olympics was going to be in Sydney, like a, probably a thousand other people that day, I, I made a decision I want to go to the Olympics. And, and then when I was at the 2000 Olympic trials, and they announce the team members, and you get handed an Olympic team jacket, you're on the Olympic team, well, and, and being in Olympics in your home country, and then walking in on the Olympic Games opening ceremony to be a part of that was just mind-blowing. It really was. I think that's probably, for me personally, at the pinnacle. I did have swimmers on four Olympics, and I was also selected on the 2008 Olympics as, as, a, as a team coach. But really, yeah, it's, that was probably the pinnacle for me. That was the, the highlight. And it was interesting, they just had the 20-year history of the Olympic Games. And I'd never watched the opening ceremony because a lot of people don't realise is those members on the team, they actually sit in a stadium and you don't see what's going on in the opening ceremony. And because you're the host country, we were the, the last to walk out. So we miss all the opening ceremony, all that amazing stuff that goes on there. And, we get to walk in and stay in very, at the very ends. So the other night, at about 9.30 at night, I was about to go to bed and the opening ceremony came on. So I had a chance to finally watch it. So that was really good to watch and, and reminisce. It seems like yesterday. Pretty amazing. 
Yeah, anyway. Wow, what an experience to be able to go through that in the first yeah. place and then yeah. be able to go back. Did you find yourself in the video? Or? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. There is one moment on the television, you know, it's always nice to get on television, just towards the end there, Dawn Fraser came over and gave me a big hug, which was very beautiful, and, and so I got on the television then. That was something I'd seen in some of the uh, swimmers because, you know, everyone had their phones then, even when you're walking out, and everyone's ringing you and saying, hey! Fantastic. I love it. And it is an achievement. I mean, it is something that when you're at your home Olympics, home country Olympics, and that iconic voice of Sydney mm. is just, it still gets me. And I think that it's amazing to be able to walk out in front of your home country and appreciate what you've done and how you've built your country and your swimming and to have done so well in swimming in those Olympics as well would just be the icing on the cake and top it off. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my swimmers came away with three medals at that Olympics and and it was just uh, just an amazing event to be a part of. I remember the first time I, I went across to have a look at the swimming pool, you know, before the swimming commenced and the water polo final was on Australia the women's water polo gold medal match was on. And because I had an accreditation for the swimming pool, I walked down on the pool deck, you know, and here I am sitting on the pool deck and there's, I don't know how many thousands of people screaming and Australia wins the game in the last couple of seconds. Well, that was my first exposure to watching the swimming and it's like, oh, wow, how huge is this? And so, uh, you know, I've never experienced something like that to be a part of a competition like that. And then, when things got underway, uh, the support from the Australian public was incredible. So, yeah, that was something I'm so fortunate to be part of. Yeah, that's amazing. And to experience that with, I suppose, out the pressure of having a swimmer perform, just to be able to go out and see it beforehand watching the water polo. Yes. Yeah, it would be it such is. uplifting an experience in oh, itself. Yeah, no, it really was uplifting. And then so I was sort of ready then when the swimming actually started I was ready for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Mm. What a great memory. What an achievement to have in your yeah, time. Oh, something else. I'm very, very blessed that I had that opportunity. Yes. So was there anyone that played a big role in your swimming journey, like a mentor or a coach or another swim teacher? Looking back, I would say very fortunate. I had a guy called Bill, Bill Sweetner. Bill still involved in swimming in, in a minor capacity now but Bill was instrumental in he selected 10 coaches that he brought them together to educate them he sort of recognized that a couple of years out from the Olympics these are the coaches we're going to push and, and get behind and and most of those coaches went on to be Olympic coaches so it was pretty incredible so he was instrumental in educating us a group of coaches I had another guy Bob Trafine who was a sports scientist who would come down uh, from Australian swimming and, and spend time with me over a couple of days and educate me. So I was very fortunate to be exposed to these high-level people that would support me and educate me because, you know, I was, certainly had good rapport with athletes, had a great understanding of the technical aspects of swimming, but the physiological aspects, I needed to develop those skills. And, and so it was great that Australian swimming gave me that opportunity to have these wonderful people come and support coaches like myself that's fantastic for them to firstly choose you and to see the potential that you have and to think ahead to grab the 10 coaches and say okay we can see that potential and to strive 
to push you, but then to also understand that, you know, and offer that education of where you know you needed the extra help. Yes, yeah, no, it was, I think it's probably lacking now in Australian swimming. Well, there's not this mentoring or support. There's a really, those 10 coaches all, I think nearly every one of them would have become part of Australian teams in some capacity. So it was an important area that they really helped coaches develop to work that top end, to learn that top end. You know, what does it take to get a good swimmer and get them on the Australian team? Yeah, yeah. Is that something, do you think, we can bring back into the sport? I think mentoring in any areas of work is a wonderful way to, to develop people. You know, I think if you've got someone that you can turn and say, look, I'm having difficulty with this swimmer, I'm having difficulty with this issue, with him, it really helps you and supports you. And you've got this support network. So, yeah, I think the mentoring system is crucial to the development of swimming within Australia and within any country. Yeah, I get a lot of mentorship through Joanne Love and Hayden Belcher and the the difference it's made for me, just the amount of knowledge they've been able to share and the willingness to share it. I'm definitely not anywhere in their league in regards to coaching, but, you know, any questions I have, whether it be about my own swim school and running my own business or coaching or swim teaching or how to connect, they're always just there to happy to help and answer anything I need. And I think I've become such a, a better and more informed person because yeah. of what they've offered and good on you Katrina for having those type of people because really you know if anyone rings me up or anyone asks can I come and watch can I come and can I spend some time on zoom can I everyone is prepared to well most people I think would are prepared to help you just got to go and ask yeah you know so I know when I was progressing as a coach I just went out and looked at programs and I think that was the way I probably learned the most is going to watch people and and see how they do things because it's that hands-on. You can read books and you can read stuff on the internet, but really, really comes down to being educated and seeing what they're doing in that hands-on environment. So yep. for any young teachers, coaches out there, I would just say just go and ask people, go and learn, and people will share for sure. Yeah, and that's actually quite funny because that was something I said to Joanne about, uh, oh, you'll have to put me in contact with Ian. I'd love to go down and see Popey's lessons <laughs> and learn. <laughs> so yeah, you well. might get a phone call from me next year <laughs> about okay. coming to annoy you. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Perfect. And that is something Laurie Lawrence spoke about in his talk for Asta for their online personal development issues that have been going over COVID he spoke about that you know why aren't we connecting why aren't we going to see people's sessions and other coaches and learning from them and sharing information so that's a really good thing I think like you said a lot of people especially coaches are more visual yeah absolutely and you know coaches certainly are a different group of people and they're very artistic and and so and they've all got different styles so you know each coach you're just going to grab some little tool and think I really like that set or I really like those words they used and I continue to ask coaches and ask swimmers you know what do you think about what do you feel and it's it's amazing you just continue to learn so yeah absorb it where you can so yeah yeah and I love that it is it's a continual learn every person's different what connects with one swimmer doesn't always connect with another one and you can have different experiences. What I experience in the country is different to what you experience, but it doesn't mean I haven't got something to share or you haven't got something that we can use as well. So sure. I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So what advice would you give to a new swim teacher or coach coming into the system? It's all about learning, be open to learning. And some people make the decision as sort of like they get stuck in their one ways and there is no one way. Some swim schools have this exact structure, A, B, C, D, this is what you do. And sometimes that doesn't work, you know, because we're working with individuals that have different learning styles. I think it's important also to know different learning styles. An easy way, here's a little secret I used to use in teaching, is you ask a person a question and where they access information from their brain, they will turn towards that. So a visual person will look up, they'll go, um, an auditory person, so words are important to them, they'll turn to their ears and go, um, and then say a kinesthetic person, a feelings person, they look down, they go into their feelings. So there's three, by simply asking a question, and one of the questions I often ask is, who was your first ever swimming teacher? And so they have to then think about that. So they go to the brain and also you'll see them look up. Well, that's a visual learner. So you have to demonstrate. And it's not so much your words. So the way I demonstrate would be visually. If they look to the side and they were auditory, I would, my words are very important to them. So I'd make sure I'd explain. It's not so much my visual pictures. And so if they're kinesthetic, I might say, this is what I want you to feel. Feel the pressure of my hand against your hand. And then we're going to, can you feel that? That's what I want you to feel. So sometimes I might use those little tools as a good way to know. Because when we're learning, there's a predominance of one way more than the other. I find for most swimmers, it is a visual learning. So I always demonstrate. And then I always come back with one or two key points. Okay, guys, this is what we're going to make sure. Keep your legs kicking nice and fast. You ready? You know, just add that point. But so it's important to know that what swimmer you're working, sometimes if you're having difficulty communicating with those swimmers where there's like my information is not getting through, maybe just simply ask a question and look where they look. And then by that, you will then teach them in that format. Wow, that's really insightful. And it's something I've been learning through, I've just done a life coaching course and that's a major topic that I've really taken an interest in. So I'm so grateful that you've shared that. Yeah, it is. It's Everyone's individual and everyone learns in a different way. And if you can connect with how your swimmer learns specifically, imagine the experience and the, the difference you're going to make for them to understand it. They're going to connect better. And it is just checking how they learn and those three points. I think that's absolutely amazing to be able to learn that. How would you bring in, so if you had a group of 10 swimmers or eight swimmers or even a class of five swimmers in a learn to swim, is there any tips that you've got for if you've got a few different learning styles in a group? Well, I think it's important that we teach all components. So we teach visually. So we have to demonstrate. And one of the things I ask swimming teachers when I'm working with swimming teachers, all my coaches, is I'll visually video them and show how they're demonstrating. And all of a sudden, you'll see their fingers are like this, their hands are like this, and so their fingers are all apart. So if we're learning by watching, they'll pick up those cues that we're actually teaching. So it's very important that our demonstration, the way we demonstrate that our fingers are together, they're in the right position, all those various things. So the way we demonstrate, really crucial. I think we can speak too much information. We really need to say, 
one or two things, and especially if you're working with boys, boys like one thing, that's it. You know, in most cases, just make sure you're doing this. And one of the other important things around communication is I would suggest always put it in the positive context. I hear so many coaches, you know, I'm going to watch and I hear them say the words, don't bend your legs. And it's like, well, what are you telling them? If I say to you, don't think of a Big Mac right now, you'll focus on what it is. You'll still have that picture of the Big Mac. So you've got to focus your wording. Your wording must be around what you want, what you expect. I want you to keep your legs nice and long and nice relaxed feet. You know, or you've got to be specific and it's got to be put in a positive context, not the negative, because it's something we all make mistakes of doing. So it's something to be aware of as from the teachers. Yeah, perfect examples. And it is amazing just using that positive language of even things like, you know, if you're a lifeguard, don't run around the pool. The alternative is just walk and they will know. Yeah, yeah. And I think the one you're saying with demonstration, I got a lesson in that about a year or two ago when I was trying to show the kids streamlined and I'd hurt my shoulder in a uh, parent-child swim race at my kids' school swimming. (laughs) And after that, I was trying to demonstrate a streamline and I'd get my arms up like this and only half up, not fully stretched out. And you yeah. do the streamline and then the kids would do the same thing. And I'm thinking, why are they not doing it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, good on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was funny, you know, it's, I, was t- I was finding all my backstroke was, was stopping or pausing at their arms at the side. And then I come to realise that's what I was demonstrating. I was demonstrating the backstroke, stopping my arm at the side. So it's amazing how much they pick up my visual learning. Yes, yeah, just those minute things where you just expect that they would know sort of to keep going and continue that. But, yeah, they would just visually see it and pick up and it's a trait they get then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I love the talking too because that's one thing I have where I do talk a lot and I'll be trying to put a lot of information in and the kids will be ready to go and they'll go to push off the wall and then I'll say, oh, and what about this? And they look around and then they go to push off and they're like, can we go now? I think yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, you really got to keep it concise. and Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially with those boys, they distracted pretty easily. Yes, yeah. yes, I've got two of them and they're only young and they're getting distracted already. Exciting <laughs> times ahead. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> So that's some amazing, great points there. And um, I really love how you've put it into context for each kid and making it really individual for them, but allowing it as a group situation that everyone can achieve. And I think demonstration in our sport is, or in any sport, is key. We always need to demonstrate, but it's how we can make it more individualised for each swimmer so everyone understands it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah, spot on. So for you, what does swimming look like in the future? Well, how do I see swimming in the future? Oh, for learn to swim, I think we might become a little bit more individualised, more private lessons, might shift more towards that way because people might want that. It's a really good question. For learn to swim, I, I still believe there's got to be a focus on water survival first up. You know, if someone falls in, how do I get back to the edge? That should be a, ultimately your first goal. And then I, personally, I'd like to see a, a bigger emphasis on technique, you know, because whatever patterns we start with in the early development, those same patterns are so hard to change later on. 
And if we want to progress to have good swimmers, we've got to start with good technique at the very early levels. It's so important. And I think one of the problems or mistakes in learners swim is they tend to send kids up to the next level because they've made their 20 metres or whatever, but their technique is woeful. And so they go up to the next group and it's going to be harder. And parents want them up in that next group. But if they haven't got fundamentals right first, then they're going to really struggle in that next group and you're going to teach struggle stroke. So we've got to remember, we learn by doing the right patterns. You play piano, you know, you all these things, the scales, we learn the correct patterns. But in learn to swim, I believe things should be taught with perfection or as close as you can to getting it right. Right. So, so many people want to teach the breathing early, for example. And so if we haven't got the arms and the legs in a good standard, they got to teach the breathing. What you're going to have a problem is they're going to lift their head for the breath and they're going to be all over the place. So I think things need to be probably more progressive. But I really believe that as soon as they're practicing the wrong patterns, you have to ask yourself, what am I teaching them? I see people write sets of butterfly and they think far is the fastest way to go. And I've had a few swimmers break world records in butterfly and they didn't do much butterfly. It wasn't about, because they never practiced struggle butterfly. And so one of the swimmers, Matt Welsh, who was a world record in butterfly, actually went on a swimming camp with some other coaches. He'd get to the 25 meters of butterfly and it was a set of say 50s, 1050s, and he would stop. And then he'd swim through easy freestyle. And the person in charge of him asked him, why, why are you stopping? Are you weak? And he said, no, it was always around practicing perfection, practicing the right way. Because so many people in butterfly sets practice struggle butterfly, where the elbows are dropping and breathing late. And so you're just teaching the wrong patterns, neuromuscular patterns. And so I believe we're going to shift towards get them water safe, first priority and then get them good technically. I really believe it's gotta be around, let's get the strokes right before we move them up. Get them at a good level, not just let's move this kid, tick, tick, yeah, yes, yeah, they made 20 meters, but they're all over the place. That's what I would see maybe in the future. That's in Learn to Swim. I think with coaching in the future, I think we'll find more specialized coaching, you know, someone for starts and turns and someone for freestyle and someone for distance. I, you know, I think like if you look in football or look in other sports, they have specialist coaches in certain areas. I would envisage that you get someone to come in and work, you know, like a ruckman would come in and do taps. Well, you know, let's let's work on finishes. You know, I think, yeah, we're going to have to get more specific to get takes them into that next level. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. It's really in-depth. And I, I like that because it is something that we need to focus on on both sides. So with your learn to swim, we need to make sure that the perfection's there in the stroke because we don't want them progressing yeah. and coming out later in life where they are on struggle street and they're doing struggle strokes because yeah. they haven't had that understanding. Perfecting that stroke and making it easier for them when they're younger, when they're really impressionable and we can actually do that a lot easier. But yes. Teaching correct early is... But they say to change a bad habit, something that can take up to 10 times longer. Well, I'm not sure exactly. That, that's what I've heard as a statement. But really, when you're conditioned to do the wrong way, it is hard to change later on. And that's why it needs to be, I think, at a good level at a younger age and make it progressive. Don't rush to put them up. You know, don't rush to put them up because you, they're going to struggle even more. 
person is good. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you can get them in that perfection earlier and understanding the correct stroke, then by the time they get up to these high levels, it becomes easier and all they have to do is perfect the stroke and individualise it for them. And, you know, any specific elements that make them stronger and faster and fitter, well, then they can do that. They don't have to relearn everything as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we're all about trying to let's get them fitter. Let's get them do more. You know, let's get them up to 100. Why? I watch, I watch Luna swim and all I see, oh, I see a lot, kids just doing struggle stroke and then they've moved them up and their breathing's up here. If you get good kicking, get good arms, then move on to the breathing. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing I would be thinking of, more progressive. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, I know myself, if I kick, I don't actually go anywhere. All my strokes in my arms and I've had a lot of people look at my kick and, oh, you know, you can do this and you can do that. And I think... If I'd just taken a lot more advice and probably listened to my coach a bit better when I was young in South Australia and training, you know, it would have been a lot easier for me now to really understand yeah. that and that emphasises what you have to push onto these kids when they're younger as well. Take the opportunity when they're learning and you can mould them easier and quicker. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And I like your look for the competitive side of having a more niche instructors or niche coaches, bringing those specialists in because it is something they do a lot of other sports. They get specific coaches for the niches. And I think what a great opportunity that people can work to their strengths and generate their strengths and then be able to use that in a lot of clubs and a lot of swimmers across the Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's an interesting take on it. I can't, I can't wait to see that happen. <laughs> I think it's the way to go. How can we as an individual and an industry promote and develop learn to swim and competitive swimming to encourage more participants but do all that with less funding? I think one of the key things is we've got to make swimming fun again. Yeah, they have to have experiences where they really enjoy their swimming you know, making swimming fun. That's if you ask the number one reason why people give up swimming is because they don't enjoy it. And so I think a lot more positive reinforcement. All those. How can we make swimming more enjoyable to keep them? Uh, you know, because and I think straight away with the first thing they do when they go into competitions for a lot of kids, the first thing they do is a they go to the Melbourne Sports Aquatic Centre or one of the main centres, fifty metres, and it's quite daunting. It's, expectations one of the fundamentals i think really is to make swimming an enjoyable experience those first few competitions because once they're ignited and they love it they're going to stay with it hopefully if they're in tears and you know i see some nine eight year olds get disqualified for races because they've done something technically not you know even in butterfly or and then these kids get you know see this announcement over the speaker lane nine was disqualified well, that's just going to squash people. It's going to like, I don't like this sport. And I think we've made swimming so boring. For a parent to come into the sport of swimming, you're there. Some competitions, you can be there at 7.30, 8 o'clock for the warm-up, starts at 9. And you could be there till 6 or 7 at night. You know, where I can choose to play basketball. I go a ball. I'm there for an hour. I have fun. And then I'm out of there. Like, there needs to be limits on competitions. So we make it fun. Realise, kids love realise. Let's look at ways that we can, you know, enjoy swimming because we're killing the sport. You know, we used to have 100,000 members in swimming 
we now have 50,000. You have to ask yourself, why has 50% got out of this sport? Swimming was, a, I'm not, please, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying we've got to look at this. We've got to ask our young swimmers, why do they get out? For a lot of them, they just didn't enjoy it anymore. And so bring back the fun. You've got to make swimming fun. And if you're a swimming teacher or a swimming coach, you've got to think of something I've done in my program that week that they have a great time. It might be some relay where you're jumping over this and going over this and certainly have to be aware of safety issues these days. But, you know, make it some fun. There's nothing greater. When I look back at how you develop clubs is you know, taking kids away and you, you go on a, a day trip and we go and swim at the Churchill Mead or somewhere and they, it's fun, they have a good day. It's all about you know, relationships and, and all those various things. So you've got to not just think of a, a training program, you've got to think of, okay, where can I incorporate some fun things? Kids love relays. Let's have a night out where we go to the pictures or do something. You know, let's all get, bring our lolos along and watch a movie out on the pool. Do something different. I don't know. You've got to be open of making swimming fun because that's what's going to keep the kids in sport. And, uh, you know, and that's the things that they remember. Yeah. And that's it. And that's something I've always thought is you've got to make it fun. They're looking for new stimulus and they want to be around team environments. And swimming can come across as very individual, but you can make it a team environment. You can make it fun. And I love about swimming is that there's so many different aspects to it that you don't have to always follow that black line to get the achievement out of it. Like you said, you know, only swimming 25 metres in butterfly to get the perfection. And, and he went on to break a world record in butterfly. Another girl, Marika Gura, who broke a world record in short course. And Michael Klim was another butterfly where he didn't do a lot of butterfly because he had childhood issues as well because he did a lot of butterfly when he was young. So I think it's important that, struggle stroke get away from it as soon as you see those wrong patterns you have to ask yourself what am i teaching yeah I'm teaching as soon as i get fatigued i'm going to go to that wrong struggle stroke and that's exactly what's going to happen at the end of a race so. yeah so when i started teaching here i'm over summer i'm in a little 33 meter pool and i had two young boys that were really keen on swimming So I got him in and we were swimming and I said, well, we've got with our swim club in the next town has a 50 metre pool. I said, how about we join in with them and you can have a go and see how you go in the competition. And it was an all junior qualification meet. So I said, let's give it a go. See how you go. If you don't get in, it doesn't matter. You've had fun. They both qualified to swim for the district at all juniors. And we took them down to Melbourne to MSAC and these kids had never seen anything like it. Yeah. They were gobsmacked. And yeah. they, they did pretty good for them. So they'd only really swam in a 50-metre pool maybe six times. And it was just about taking them down and their whole family came. They watched them swim. They went through the whole marshalling and up on the blocks and saw the achievements of other kids Having the coaches in there, it blew their mind to see the warm-up. It also blew my mind because it was the first time I'd been on pool deck. Yeah, especially old junior, I could imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were both, all three of us were standing there gobsmacked and I'm looking for the next coach that I know to sort of help me out. But it was just such an achievement for them. They went back to school and they couldn't stop talking about it. They showed everyone about it, all their films, all their photos, and it was just amazing to see them light up for having that experience. I think it's yeah. amazing. And they keep coming back because of it. Yeah, great. Good on you. And that's the thing about swimming, you know. it's uh, We've got to make, especially that initial 
introduction to swimming competition that there has to be, I don't think there should be anyone disqualified, maybe spoken to their coach after it or something like that. I think it's got to be some form of fun. And you as a coach can also, if you can expose them to what that's going to be like, you know, this could be a marshalling area. This is what it can be like, you know, by taking a little video. This is going to be a crowd of warm-up. What do we do in that experience? And so they sort of have awareness around this is what can be expected. You know, for a lot of people, when they go to the national championships, they think, oh, I've made the national championships. This is a great thing. And the national age championships, they've got about 3,000 swimmers. You cannot move in the warm-up. It goes from 7.30 in the morning until the heats finish about 3 o'clock, 2.30, And then they have the finals and that's you're back there at 4.35 and then you're there at 9.30, 10 Long nights. There's no atmosphere in the mornings. It's quiet. But where they've probably swam at their state championships or their district, exciting, you know, so they're in the heats. So it's a different, you know, and so some people are not ready for that. So, yeah, the more we can familiarise them with what it's going to be like, the easier it is for them to be going to be like at the championship. So I remember, you know, sometimes when you take swimmers overseas and they're swimming in an international competition, all of a sudden they're swimming the other way in the warmer. Oh, I'm not used to this. Oh, I don't need to marshal. In America, you don't marshal. Right? You just get up behind the blocks. Right? Great idea. Everybody hates marshalling rooms. You get up behind the blocks, uh, you know, they have it lines. So lane five, lane four. If you're not there for your race, you miss it. Bad luck. There's a whole different set of styles. And so people are not ready for those things. So, yeah, as a coach, I think we have to be mindful of what is that next step and what does that look like? And then how can we ease it so it's a, an easier progression when we move to the next level? Yeah, and that's exactly it. And I suppose we've got the prime opportunity now coming out of COVID and the lessons we've learned to be able to adapt new things, new ways of competitive swimming and, and how we train. And I think it's great to take a fresh look and learn from these, like we spoke about earlier, looking at what you can learn from failures or experiences and change what you do, do something different to be able to bring that excitement and fun in. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So have a fun plan, a fun plan. So what can I do? <laughs> we might need a fun officer back in swim clubs. <laughs> yeah, good idea. I can imagine your swim club training. That would be exciting. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, over the years, I do try to make it enjoyable. And sometimes we would have camps, special events. It's those things that I remember. And so uh, when we did have camps, we would take them so that I'd get them to experience something there, you know, be some sort of beach area. So they learn to surf and do various things where they can have a experience the area, what's, what's some things. It's interesting on the Australian team, you go away and for most of them, they just stay in the hotel and they don't really go to see a lot of it. And it's a shame because so one of the things I tried to do, which I probably shouldn't have, is I always got out early. And so I remember at the Beijing Olympics, like I just arrived and, I just got in a cab and went straight into Forbidden City and all that area around in Beijing and, and just experienced it for the first night or two. Just then there's a couple of days before you actually start the swim commencing and then you sort of settle down. But I think it's, yeah, you gotta, you got to see the world. you got to see life. Yeah, that's it. Perfect opportunity. You're there. You know, take that time to engross yourself in the culture and see something different and enjoy it while you're there. And it also, I suppose, gives it a bit of a wind down or pressure off moment. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think 
I always tried to really chill leading into a competition like that because if you're wound up and too anxious, the athletes will feel that as well. So your demeanour has an impact on how they are. My physiology, if I'm all tight and I'm concerned, that'll affect them. So, you know, it was important that I kept myself calm, most occasions anyway. <laughs> and then you have fun afterwards as well when you can let loose and go nuts. Yeah, that's, that's true. A lot of the swimmers went pretty wild after, you know, they put so much into trials event or a major event and, you know, a lot of them sort of don't have a good time after that. Yeah, well, when they've spent the four years working up to it, I think well worth it to, you know, they should be allowed to go out and just have fun and relax from it. Well, thank you so much. That's the last of my questions. It's such a wealth of knowledge and I wish I had more because it's just amazing hearing what you've said. It's, yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks for having me and, yeah, I wish you all the best with it and I hope some swimming teacher there that gets motivated and says, I want to coach for Australia maybe one day but, but that is a pathway you know people thinking well I'm just a swimming teacher but, and when people say the words I'm just a swimming teacher I get annoyed because you don't realize you're you're saving someone's life you know I nearly lost my son uh, we we're we're having a barbecue at Matt Welsh's house and, and Michael Clem was there and all these top swimmers and all this food and just for one moment my son fell in and just because he learned to swim he was able to keep himself up and and it just, it happened in an instant. What if we weren't there ready? And so, you know, we're actually important part. When you see yourself as a swimming teacher, see yourself as oh, I'm having an influence and, and trying to save this person's life. And once I can do that, that's great. But I want to make their experience of swimming fun and that they enjoy it. And then for some of them, if they enjoy that learn to swim, they hopefully go on to join a club or be a part of a swimming community. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And I think it's amazing you've had that personal experience to be able to emphasise that. And I think, you know, that's something with my podcast. I I will say, oh, it's not just a swim teacher or you're not just yeah. a coach. And I think I have to really watch my wording on it to myself, but also when I speak to people because, you know, yeah, we are. We make a difference in someone's life. We connect and we are lucky enough that in our sport we actually have that connection of we can save lives. Many other yeah. sports have that opportunity point. yeah absolutely yeah what a what an impact so save lives and have fun while you're doing it yeah. <laughs> that's right and I think for your son to fall into the water when you've got yourself and Matt Walsh and Michael Clem and all those people around yeah. I think if it's going to happen that's the probably one of the best places to do it I think yes yes yeah you know it was but it just it shocks you, but, we, you know, but from learners when we gave them a chance and that's all we're doing, trying to give them a chance. So we don't experience those, those bad things. So. Yeah, mm. that's right. Well, thank you so much. Words of wisdom that I think everyone's going to learn from. And, yeah, I just think you're absolutely amazing, the work you do. Thank you so much. And Thanks I hope for having that, me. Yeah, we can be back in the pool soon and sharing yeah. what we know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hope to see you around the pool sometime soon. Yeah.